Welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast that usually focuses on North Orange County politics, but uh, we're doing a series on the statewide ballot measures. I'm Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College, and this is part three of our three-part series on the statewide ballot measures. So these are the measures with the most ads. Uh, some are a little more complex, and did I mention there's a lot more ads? Uh, so if you missed our first two shows, you can listen to those. Part one covers props 14, 17, 18, and 24, while part two covers props 16, 19, 21, and 25. And today we're going to finish up with propositions 15, 20, 22, and 23. And with those three shows, you'll be caught up on all 12 statewide measures. Uh, on the Slice of Orange YouTube channel, we've got videos covering each of those propositions. And this podcast and the League of Women Voters of North Orange County had a student video contest encouraging students uh, to make their own videos offering non-biased information about one of the propositions. Uh, you can learn more about that contest on our social media pages or the League website. Um, we're trying to get people to learn uh, how to research these propositions. And so it's a great way to encourage uh, students to do that. As a reminder, uh, try to avoid the deceptive ads that are spending millions trying to convince you one way or the other uh, and, and rely on non-partisan, non-biased information like the League of Women, Women Voters. Um, and there's almost $300 million being spent total and uh, about $250 million of it is on these four measures alone. So uh, in addition to my top two sources, the Legislative Analyst Office and Ballotpedia, uh, which aggregates the information and uh, refers to the sources that they get it from. It's always something you want to do. Uh, there are a lot of news organizations diving into these measures with podcasts, articles, and editorials. Uh, Rough and Tumble website gives you a compilation of those daily articles in the state newspapers. NPR does an amazing job. Two of my favorites, Scott Schaefer and Marissa Lagos, Cal Matters, John Myers, the Capital Weekly Podcast, um, a lot of our county friends at the Orange County Register, Los Angeles Times, Voice of OC, Fullerton Observer. There are just so many, so many incredible journalists helping keep us informed. So um, I, I just want to make sure that we're... Uh, amplifying and supporting uh, our, our local journalists that are covering these issues. So in our final show, we're going to cover Prop 15, which would give us a split role property tax measure for commercial properties, Prop 20, which makes changes to Prop 47 and Prop 57 about criminal sentences, Prop 22, which would exempt app drivers from employee laws, and Prop 23, which would regulate dialysis clinics. So Prop 15, split roll property taxes. Um, when Prop 13 passed in 1978, all property was treated with the same and limited to no more than 1% of the purchase price or a 2% increase of inflation, whatever's less. Um, given the volatile nature of property taxes in the state, this was seen as a way to stabilize property taxes, particularly to keep seniors on fixed incomes from being taxed out of the family home. But anyone is is subject to this. You know, if you buy a house when it's low and then uh, the the prices skyrocket, your property taxes are are, are regulated to to go up by a you know expected low amount. Um, and, and not skyrocket with the newly assessed rate. So why Prop 13 passed, um, it's why people are very hesitant to change it. 
But in 1978, little attention was paid to commercial or industrial properties, and and those rarely change owners and therefore aren't reassessed. So a commercial enterprise like Disneyland would forever be under that Prop 13 cap um, of, you know, the purchase price plus, you know, minimal increases on the value of that property. It's unlikely to ever be sold, while a single-family home nearby would be reassessed every time it's sold to a new family, um, increasing the property tax base for the governments that receive those incomes. So a lot of people um, have looked at this and said it should be changed and huge corporations should pay more while families should keep the Prop 13 protection. Um, So Prop 15 would literally split the tax roll to make that distinction of residential and small business properties that would keep the protection while commercial or industrial property over $3 million um, in value would be taxed based on that assessed property value rather than the purchase price. Um, it, It would exempt small businesses with fewer than 50 employees, properties under $3 million, Um, would be exempt. And it would extend the date for retail centers with 50% or more small business tenants until 2025, or the legislature could extend that even longer. Um, Otherwise, for those that don't meet those exemptions, the new tax base would start in 2022 to 2023. So there are a lot of people who say, you know, a pandemic isn't the right time uh, to tax it. The tax base wouldn't start until 2022, 23. the, the revenue estimates are between $8 million and $12.5 million. Uh, that money would be directed to schools and local governments, which is why you see so many ads um, saying, you know, schools and local governments need that money. Uh, and, and so th- that's what a lot of the ads are, saying that schools and local governments desperately need the money. Um, and businesses are, are going to tell you that they can't afford um, those extra taxes and that the cost would be passed on to the consumer. So those are the arguments for and against, and you, the voter, have to decide what you think the law should be. Um, And clearly there's a lot of ads on both sides um, trying to sway voters. Prop 15. Um, Prop 20, criminal sentience parole DNA collection. So uh, buckle up. This one gets in the weeds. Uh, Prop 20 would revise and change three laws. AB 109, an assembly bill that passed, Prop 47 and Prop 57, all initiatives that California voters supported. So these are all dealing with criminal justice changes. (sighs) See how quickly we're faced with battling initiatives when we approve initiatives and then other people think we need to change those initiatives because only an initiative can change an initiative. Okay, so um, what this does, the simple version, is... It would add crimes to the list of violent felonies for which early parole is restricted. It would recategorize certain types of theft and fraud as wobblers. That's a term we're going to use again and again. It means a crime could be charged as either a misdemeanor or a felony, the courts would decide, and require DNA collection for certain misdemeanors. Prop 47 and 57 and AB 109 changed some crimes that had been wobblers to misdemeanors, this would say you still have to collect DNA on those. Okay, so dialing down a bit. There are certain types of theft and fraud crimes, including firearm theft, vehicle theft, and unlawful use of a credit card that would be considered wobblers, chargeable as misdemeanors or felonies. It would establish two additional types of crime in state code, serial crime, 
and organized retail crime. And they could be charged as misdemeanors or felonies. It would also, Prop 20, would also require persons convicted of certain misdemeanors that were classified as wobblers or felonies before 2014 that were changed by these previous initiatives, shoplifting, grand theft, and drug possession, along with several other crimes, including domestic violence and prostitution with a minor, to submit to the collection of DNA for state and federal databases. Okay, so I don't think anybody's debating that our criminal justice system has problems. Um, I personally am not convinced this is the best way to solve them. But once we start with initiatives, the only way you can fix initiatives is with other initiatives. However, I will caution you, if you like one part of this, but not all of it, you don't get just, just vote for the part you like. It's all or nothing, which is how we often get these unintended consequences with propositions. So um, who to believe on whether we need changes or whether these are going to be improvements or make things worse. Um, when I am looking at these initiatives, this is when I look at who supports or opposes it. And I really look at editorial boards, um, the newspapers to explain their positions. So not just the LA Times and the or Orange County Register supports this or opposes it, I will blindly follow them. I'm looking for what is their narrative? Why? What are they saying about the initiative for why they, so we're going to talk about that in a second. So first, who supports it? So the Center for uh, Juvenile and Criminal Justice claims that AB 109, Prop 47, and Prop 57 are successful sentencing reforms, and the, they should not be changed. Um, Andrew Doe of the Orange County Board of Supervisors calls them the California's dangerous trifecta. These three things need to be changed. Um, so in addition to police and sheriff and prison guard unions that you'd expect to be funding this and supporting it, it's sort of interesting to see that grocery stores are spending a lot of money in favor of this. Albertsons is putting $100,000, Costco's putting $50,000, um, uh, Ralph's and Rayleigh's. Um, Northgate Market, Gelson's. Um, I, my favorite is Tulare Grocery Outlet that gave $100 in support of this. It's sort of cute. Um, clearly, they were uh, encouraged to support it, and they just wanted their name off the list of people who hadn't, so they gave $100. Um, so they're clearly looking at these misdemeanor crimes that allow people who shoplift and, and, and steal from their markets to not be punished, and so this serial crime that's that's existing. But both the Orange County Register and the Bakersfield, California editorial boards, which are fairly tough on crime, are opposed to this measure and urge voters to find another way to solve what's wrong. So, you know, it's a false uh, premise that you believe something is wrong and therefore you have to support this, you can believe that there are problems and not believe that this is the best solution. So the Bakersfield, California editorial board says, with the coronavirus pandemic carving a massive hole in state and local budgets, sending government agencies scrambling to fund basic public services, voters should not support a proposal to once again swell prison populations and increase costs. This is not the time to swing the pendulum back to a tough on crime era through even more ballot box lawmaking, which is what we call it when at the initiative uh, on the ballot, we make these decisions. So that's the Bakersfield, California 
the Orange County Register says, fundamentally, Prop 20 itself is the wrong vehicle for raising and implementing the policy changes it promotes. At a time when Californians continue to be supportive of scaling back mass incarceration, Prop 20 offers only the preferences of police and prison guard unions. Complex issues such as the matters at hand demand a more deliberative and thoughtful approach than Prop 20 provides. And the Orange County Register urges voters to vote no on Prop 20. So again, more information um, about how this is actually going to be implemented, but it's it's very likely that um, if Prop 20 passes, we will likely we be back a, a cycle or two with another initiative that would try to convince voters to um, change it again. Prop 22. Uh, if you haven't seen an ad in support of Prop 22 to make uh, drivers for app-based companies independent contractors, um, you may want to check your Wi-Fi connection because um, they are everywhere and it's tough to avoid. This is the most expensive uh, campaign on the ballot uh, and so ads are everywhere. So let's actually talk about what they're doing. Um, the legislature passed AB5, um, a law that establishes a three factor test to decide a worker's status as an independent contractor. So to be considered an independent contractor in California, you have to A, be free for the company's hiring control and direction of work. B, the worker is doing work outside the company's usual business. And C, the worker is engaged in established trade in the same nature as the work they perform. So if you have an accounting firm, but you hire a plumber to fix the bathroom, you're hiring an independent contractor. Free from the company's hiring control, you're not hiring that person with, you know, an ad and uh, a committee and offering uh, a contract. The, the, the plumber is doing work outside the company's usual business of accounting, and the plumber is engaged in the established trade as the work they inform. So you're not hiring the plumber to come in and do the taxes. So it's a stretch to say that ride-sharing company that hires drivers is hiring independent contractors, but that's why... Uh, the, these companies are trying to establish this initiative to carve out an exception. So during the deliberation of AB5, Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash put $30 million each into a campaign account to try to accomplish exactly um, that, to try to influence the legislature as they're discussing AB5. And, and it was sort of a you know, legislative campaign finance game of of chicken, you know, there, there's a clear threat that if you don't give us what you want, what we want, we're going to go to the ballot. We've got ninety million dollars, so test us. Um, if the drivers are going to be considered employees, we're going to go to the voters. So, <clears throat> long story short, the threat didn't work, and here we are. Um, Postmates, Instacart, and others have joined the fight. So we now have a hundred and eighty million dollars on one side of this ballot fight. Five million on the other side. Um, it's the most expensive campaign that our state has seen. And uh, again, you're probably getting bombarded with um, these ads. So the compromise is that, that these companies have proposed to try to get the voters to support it, they wrote the legislation um, for the initiative, is they added a bunch of labor and wage policies specific to app-based drivers and companies in this ballot measure. So if you want to know all of them, you can find them on Ballotpedia or the Legislative Analyst Office. But <clears throat> basically, uh, to incentivize voters, say, give us what we want and we'll give you 
the drivers, Prop 22, would require companies to develop anti-discrimination and sexual harassment policies, develop trainings for drivers related to driving, um, traffic accident avoidance, recognizing and reporting sexual assault and misconduct. Uh, they would have zero tolerance policy for driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol. They would require criminal background checks for drivers. Um, and the ballot initiative would criminalize false impersonation of an app-based driver um, as a misdemeanor. So here's the threat that's impossible to ignore. Um, these app-based driving companies are mostly headquartered in California and combined, they're worth more than four GM and Chrysler. So when they threaten to leave the state of California or stop operating here if Prop 22 loses, it carries a lot of weight and could blow a hole in the state budget income if they follow through. Um, again, I'm not suggesting that you vote for this or against this based on um, you know, being held hostage by these app-based companies, but it, there are real consequences uh, of, of companies threatening to leave the state because of the operation. Um, Prop 23, dialysis clinic regulation. If, if this one sounds familiar, uh, it's because Prop 8 in 2018 saw $130 million uh, on ads with the vast majority coming from dialysis companies and um, it lost as a result of, of that money and the dialysis companies uh, opposing it. Now, I have to be honest, the subject of this initiative annoys me um, because a lot of times when there are things we're voting on, I, I think this should not be an initiative. I, as a voter, I don't want to learn this much about dialysis clinics. I don't want to research whether or not dialysis clinics should or shouldn't have these provisions. And I don't think voters should necessarily be re making regulation policy about things they don't understand. Um, and, and, and I'm not just picking on Prop 23. A few years back, it was the size of chicken cages. Um, are you kidding? I don't, I don't know how big chickens like their homes. Um, and I certainly don't understand the ramifications to chicken farmers um, and, and why random voters should be making that decision. And very few of us ever check back on the implement, implementation to see the effect of our decisions. So, I, okay, I, I, I think chickens should have, you know, massages every day and, and somebody should comb their feathers and coax the eggs out of them. But that's not, I'm not a chicken farmer. I have no idea what the cost of these things are. You know, often we as voters just get this list of preferences and, and we don't have any of the consequences. We don't have to deal with the people who are affected this. So did the chicken farmers move out of state? Are we importing more eggs from out of state as a result? Have we lost the industry of chicken farming in California? I don't know because I don't want to become an expert on chicken farms and you don't either. Um, so here's my caution. Someone gathered hundreds of thousands of signatures from people who apparently will sign anything on a clipboard. So the next time you are approached about chicken farming, about mountain lions, about dialysis clinics, stop signing these things. I absolutely understand why the unions involved here want this proposition on the ballot. I understand why animal rights groups wanted to regulate chicken cages. I just need voters to stop signing petitions because we have a legislature to make these laws. Those folks that you are voting for in the Assembly and the State Senate, they should learn about chicken farms. They should learn about dialysis clinics. I'm tired of learning about these things 
because as a responsible voter, I feel an obligation to actually look into it. If you don't, now, this is, I'm not talking to you because you're listening to a podcast explaining the initiatives, but those people who aren't listening to this, these th those voters who are just blindly voting based on the ads, leave it blank. This is why I say leave it blank, because there are consequences to your vote. So, <clears throat> okay, sermon over stepping off my soapbox. Back to Prop 23. In this 2020 rematch, the sides remain the same, but the content of the fight is different. So SEIU UHW is the union trying to regulate the companies through the initiative process. They brought the last one. They're bringing this one. Um, DeVita is the big company behind a lot of these clinics in California. So they're obviously opposed, but the California Medical Association, a number of other medical groups are also opposing it. However, the way it's written, they got smart after the 2018 uh, proposal, these make sense. One physician has to be on site at all time. Dialysis-related infection data must be reported to government agencies. It prohibits clinics from closing without state approval and prohibits clinics from refusing to treat patients based on payment. Okay. Except when you research it, you realize that almost all of those provisions are already required. Each clinic has a medical director. They're not required to be there all operating hours, but they have a medical director. They already have to report infection rates to agencies in the CDC. So the independent legislative analyst predicts that Prop 23 provisions would increase costs and prompt closures, which would cause more patients to use hospitals rather than clinics. And so they put the provision in that says, you can't have closures unless the state approves it. Well, the state is going to have to approve closures when businesses go out of business or can't afford to operate. And a number of the clinics in the Bay Area are run by a nonprofit. Satellite Dialysis is a nonprofit that operates 48 clinics in the Bay Area. So they would also be punished under this. And <clears throat> the reality is, do these provisions address actual problems? Or is this a proxy fight for the union to force the clinics to spend a lot of money fighting this rather than spending money on other things? So um, let's look at patients already have personal physicians and, and often kidney specialists when they're on dialysis. So they don't need to meet with the doctor while they're getting dialysis, but there is a medical director on the site. So the hours of operation might de decrease to match the hours the medical director is already on site rather than hiring another doctor to oversee those extra hours. Um, and there are a lot of editorials that make some really good points across the ideological spectrum. Again, the Bakersfield California Editorial Board says this is a replay of the 2018 ballot battle with voters decisively siding with dialysis clinics on that one. Rather accepting that vote, union activists are taking another bite with Proposition 23. The regulation of patient care at dialysis clinics should be a matter of legislation, of industry regulation, not an initiative decided by the voters. Um, Orange County Register says this isn't about California's well-being. Um, the ballot measure wasn't created by dialysis patients upset with their healthcare options. It was created by the union that hasn't been successful in organizing employees in the dialysis clinics. So the electoral plan is apparently to make the two companies that own most of the state's clinics spend so much money fighting ba ballot initiatives every two years, they have a hard time staying in business. Mercury News and East Bay Times editorial board say, um, 
you know, Proposition 23 is a misguided effort to regulate the industry, voters should send a strong signal that nuisance ballot measures have no business being on the California ballot. The Press Democrat editorial board. We don't have a position on whether dialysis clinics should unionize. That's a matter for the employees and their employers. But targeting clinic owners who resist union organizing efforts is a clear out abuse of the initiative process. Given rising rates of um, diabetes, which can cause kidney failure, California is going to need more dialysis clinics, not fewer. Prop 23 is likely to result in some clinics closing and create disincentives for opening new ones without improving care for people whose lives depend on kidney dialysis. So that's Prop 23. So with all of this, uh, I hope you know more about your ballot. Uh, Check out our YouTube channel for videos on each of the ballot measures if you want to review them. Uh, Check out uh, our student video contest with hopefully students all over the county uh, making their own ballot measures to explain these ballot measures on uh, hashtag KnowYourBallotOC. And thank you for learning more about the statewide measures on your ballot.